0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Podcast Bookers, podcastbookers.com. Podcasts are really hot, right? But you know what's also really hot? Appearing as a guest on one of the many, many podcasts out there. Think about it. Much easier than writing a guest blog post, you get some high quality content, you get great backlinks, people want to share that content, maybe you can even transcribe that content. Being a guest on podcasts, getting yourself booked on podcasts is a really, really great SEO tactic, great brand building tactic. Podcast bookers can get you booked on two to three to four podcasts every single month on autopilot. Go check it out, podcastbookers.com. Welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is Michael Veltry. He is a keynote speaker, serial entrepreneur, leadership expert, and author of the book, The Machine Way to Peak Performance, The Path to Productivity, Balance, and Success. I might also add, because it may come up in conversation, he is a professional athlete, two-time cancer survivor, and U.S. Marine Veteran. How do you get all of that in one bio Michael?
1: Yeah well it's uh, it can be it can be a bit long John but uh, focus on what the the audience wants to hear. So thanks for doing a great introduction of me.
0: (laughs) So the the book is built the Machine Mm -hmm. Way is built on the principles of Aikido Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think it probably makes some sense to get your definition of what Aikido is.
1: Sure so it's a Japanese grappling martial art, so there's no kicks or punches. And it is uh, uh, basically a form of self defense versus self offense. And, uh, you know, in discussing marketing ideas for um, standing out amongst the crowded field of business books, we came up with the idea of introducing 10 elegant Aikido principles and how they can apply. To business and life, so uh, Japanese uh, grappling martial art based on blending and and uh, leverage versus raw strength to just muscle your way through any type of situation.
0: Well, and like many martial arts, it's 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 not about fighting. It's in some ways, it's it's a life practice, right? Absolutely,
1: and so you know one of the concepts. We talk about the book, is, and that many of your listeners might be familiar with, is uh, called Kaizen. It's a Japanese principle of constant improvement. And so, uh, with that, also in, in the art of Aikido, is that you're not trying to defeat anyone. If anything, the biggest challenge is with, um, I don't even want to say defeat, is finding a, a balance with your own ego. Because our ego is what gets in the way of telling us we can't do something, or we have to do it this way, or I'm going to give up doing something, or, or things like that. So, uh, you know, throughout the book, I focus on that, and it's a lot of work that that people can do on themselves to impact their business and their personal life. How,
0: how did you personally come to Aikido?
1: Um, so, I've been a lifelong uh, martial artist growing up in Erie, Pennsylvania, and. Um, a hotbed, hot of a
0: culture,
1: yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, not the cultural mecca um, <laughs> of the world. You know, I, I and I uh, had fallen in love with all things Japanese, including the culture, the art, the martial arts, and the language. And so, um, I enlisted in the Marine Corps at the tender age of seventeen and uh, got stationed in California. And when I was in California, I went to continue. I was doing a uh, karate at the time, classical, you know, kick and punch art that you can find anywhere in the country. And when I got stationed out in California, uh, which is obviously has a larger uh, Asian um, uh, population, I stumbled across my first Aikido class in May of 1988. I still remember it to this day. And I was fascinated, John, by what I was seeing. I didn't know what I was seeing and watching, but I knew I wanted to do some of that. And uh, that started my journey. Uh, two years later, I was in Japan with the Marine Corps and was able to train with some some really high level masters, and ended up staying there for ten years as a business consultant to feed my
0: addiction to the martial arts. And you, I think I read somewhere you actually opened a studio of your own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I still do. I have I run one of the largest grapp- uh, Aikido academies on the East Coast in Washington D.C. And you know, I, I that's sort of how I transitioned into the the keynote speaking spaces teaching many of the uh, Washington, D.C.'s uh, movers and shakers from politicians to business titans to um, uh, foreign diplomats. And, uh, you know, there's a correct, a a direct analogy between what I teach people uh, in the the Martial Arts Academy and, and to what they apply in their life. And so I was invited to speak to companies and organizations. And I've got some cool stories about being invited to to speak and teach at the uh, at Central Intelligence Agency and some other cool places that uh, that I talk about in the book and, and use them for for teaching and laying the foundation for many of the principles that I apply and, and teach in the book.
0: So I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. And I, of course, you know, one of the things I love probably the most about being is no two days are the same. But, but that's also one of the most challenging things. And, you know, I think there the, there's you know, we can get really caught up in the, you know, all these things coming at us day in, day out, the stress of it. And and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, kind of almost commit a bit of self-sabotage by not having this kind of foundational practice to lean on. Would you say that, that that's been your experience?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the phrase I coin in the book and when I talk to successful entrepreneurs is, uh, we become successfully miserable, John. You know, be, you know, be careful what you wish for and – um what may have started out as a passion um, or for whatever reason that you've built a business around becomes a huge burden. And I know uh, that's what happened to me. Um, I, I had become successfully miserable. I would have been caught in a, what I call a success trap. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, this business I built was just burdening me and it was actually because of that. Uh, it led me to writing the book and, um, and doing, um you know, what is a better use of my time and energy? So I think what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially if they've been, been doing it for a while, is they fail to uh, to grow and evolve. And as human beings, we grow and evolve. And what might have in- interested us five, 10 years ago might not anymore. And if we don't take specific actions um, to, to grow and evolve too, your business is going to suffer mightily because you're, Clients, customers will sniff it out if you're not. If you're no, if your heart's no longer in the business, they'll know if you're not passionate. And um, so, again, in the book, I really push people to, um, you know, to take a close look. And I give them really simple, relevant exercises that that can move them forward on a big decision they've been putting off making, whether it's selling their company, hiring their own replacement. Um, you know, starting another business or or anything like that. So I, I agree 100. percent And mate, you have to have what I call support structures sufficient for success. And what I mean by that is, as hardworking, successful entrepreneurs, we've got a lot of um, we got a lot of uh, we're we're great at taking abuse, John. You know, we can we can hang on in there until we're ready to throw in the towel and walk away. And, and we don't want it to get get to that point. So hopefully, setting up support structures where people can grow and uh, and evolve with their businesses and, uh, and have a lot of fun along the way.
0: So let's dive into a couple of the principles. Um, and, yeah. And I think that to me, as I read, kind of even just your overview of the principles, I mean, mm-hmm. the application to everyday business life or everyday life is mm-hmm. pretty clear, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we may not identify these things, but I think we recognize them. Um, and the first one is, uh, is the, the concept of high key, calm mm-hmm. energy. And I think that that, yeah. you know, that is such a powerful concept, but also in the chaos of the storm is probably yeah. hard to hang on to, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And, um, You know, this concept, I I define it as the really cool uh, English word of equanimity, right? And and that's that's, um, a deeper meaning than just being calm. Um, But, uh, yeah, you and I both know if we go into a meeting or try to run our business uh, scattered or angry or um, distracted, oh, my God, John, it's scary, the, the mounting statistics about the losing battle against distractions that we're that we're facing, from electronic uh, demands on our time to everything else. So being able to maintain this um, this calm awareness is a practice. And you know, I wrote the book because um, so that anyone can immediately get value from it. And what what I did not like is I you know, as a, I, I love all personal development, you know podcasts and books, and what I get frustrated with is buying a book. That would, you know, leave me the 27 steps of blah, blah, blah. It, it was just too hard to do. And so I wrote the book where um, people can do There's very simple, relevant, and retainable exercises to help them uh, get a level of calmness in their biz- crazy business life that can give them tips to, to try. Hey, do this and, you know, experience uh, an initial, you know, better uh uh, clarity in, around your business or personal life. And, and it's very important. I really stress that you have to have balance in both. If your business is thriving, but you're going through a divorce, which I've done before, you know, it's, it's going to impact your business. Likewise, you know, if your business is floundering, it's going to impact your personal life. So I really encourage readers to, to reach for that level of, of equanimity uh, in both their business and personal life.
0: Well, and I'm going to, you know, one of the principles really deals with balance. And I think one of the things that is central to a lot of uh, Eastern practices is this idea of both physical and mental balance. And that, you know, everything is, you know, is about your core and about, you know, like an exact spot on your body that is the center pivot point of your balance. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's one of the things I love about, you know, applying this to business because I think a lot of people give a lot of lip service to the the idea of balancing lot your personal life and your business life, uh, but I think a lot of people forget about that physical aspect of balance. And I, I'm 57, and I will tell you that that's the thing I work the hardest on is yeah. you lose that physical sense of balance uh, as well. And I think that the mind body connection is is such a cool part of applying one of these Eastern practices.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, throughout the book, uh the way I wrote it is each chapter is bookended with two exercises. So there's an opening exercise that's typically some type of what I call a, a, a somatic or a physical, a real simple physical exercise to teach that principle. So for example, in chapter four, it's Specifically called your one point, like being able to stay grounded in the heat of battle, whether that is uh, you know negotiating a new lease on your commercial space, or you know your uh, you know your seventeen year old son telling you that they're going to join the Marine Corps, like I had to tell my parents years ago. Um, And so there is a very simple physical exercise that I introduce in the book. And at the very end of the chapter is a more practical, you know, do these three things to learn this principle to get traction in your business life. But if we don't take care of our physical well-being, we will not have the energy, creativity, innovation, clarity we need to run our businesses. So I think a lot of people let their... Physical well-being wane John, and it, and it will affect their business uh, and personal life if they don't take care of themselves.
0: You know, I've I've used the word intentionally, uh, the word mm-hmm. practice, <laughs> about ten times already. And I think a lot of times when we're talking, you know, it's one thing to read a book like this and go, "Oh yeah, those are some good ideas." You know, ten minutes later, you've forgotten them. In some cases, and yep. I really think, uh, like you have the exercises in here. This is something that you have to build in as a practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I I disguise my repetition throughout the book, but um, there's a lot of repetition, and I and I really really uh, encourage the reader um, to take action now. So I'm really encouraging the reader throughout the book to get into immediate action because, as you and I know, done is better than perfect. There there, there is no perfect, and you know, we keep putting off what we want to do. And so uh, I really encourage people to get into action throughout the book. And part of that is, uh, you know, I've experienced, many of your listeners listeners experienced, I've experienced running a business, dealing, you know, with with surviving cancer. So a tough uh, personal situation to uh, the ups and downs. And so uh, in the book, uh, I, I try to build in a relatability so the listener can say, shake their head saying, yes, I deal with, I'm sorry, the reader will say, shake their head saying, yes, I deal with this in my life. And that'll hopefully spur them into taking immediate action um, for, for what I'm showing them how to do in the book.
0: One of the, uh, I think, core principles of business in general is this idea of, of building strong relationships and connections, mm. so whether it's people that work for you or, or your customers, mm. uh, Musubi. Right. Mushar uh-huh. is the principle yep. behind that. Um, I think that in some ways, the online digital yep. video conferencing world that we live in today has actually eroded that element yeah. of our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do, yeah. You, do, do you, and I've actually started preaching this. I mean, I, I believe we have to, even if we can get by without ever talking to another human being in real life, that we, we actually have to make that a, a conscious effort.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it is funny because uh, I, I think we, we lose the ability to, to interact as human beings, or, or we don't know how to, to handle a face-to-face interaction. And so I know my challenge as I travel all around the, the country is, uh, I, I go in this order. Of course, if I can meet with somebody face-to-face, fantastic. Uh, if not, you know the cool thing about technology is I try to use it. I don't let it use me. Um, if I could see somebody. On uh, over Skype or Google Hangouts or some other video conferencing, that, that's a close second. Then, of course, the ability to to connect on the phone. But yeah, the uh, the importance of of in person uh, meetings because so much happens, John, that you know the the verbal and nonverbal communication that that is missed when you when you don't have that opportunity. So building that connection to understand your customers, your clients, your colleagues um, is just is
0: just so important. So, and and nothing beats a hug. Unfortunately, um, that's right. That's right. So one of the principles of uh, a lot of Eastern practices, certainly in uh, Aikido, is this idea that it's not about winning; it's about getting the best result mm-hmm. for all. And I think that that's clearly a strong business principle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but unfortunately, uh, is not always you know mainstream.
1: Right. You know, I think. Uh, I'm sorry. Where you can explain well, that? there?
0: no, no, no. What I was just saying is, you know that that idea of you know how do we bring that idea that it's not about the competition and about win, yeah. b- winning, that it's about even with a customer, you know that it's mm-hmm. about getting the best result for your business as well as the customer.
1: Right. Um, you know, one of the concepts I'll, I'll introduce in the book is um, this ability to see things through your competition's eyes, see things through your colleagues' eyes, see things through your spouse's eyes. Because if we're unable to see what our competition's seeing, John, or what our what our customers are seeing, we're going to fail. You know, our, our businesses are going to fail. So I give in the book some specific practices to help business owners or if you, whether you manage your own company or you manage a team or you, or you simply manage yourself – to be able to see through others' eyes. In that way, what becomes a win uh, is, because, is very different. You know, if you just want to hit your quota or, or make a certain revenue number and do that and push, 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 it's a short-term goal that you may hit that will ultimately cause you to suffer in the long range. But if you can practice seeing through your competition's eyes, seeing through your colleagues' eyes, seeing through, through others' eyes, it's a different way of setting and achieving goals that I think uh, people will find very, very interesting.
0: Yeah, and and it I guess it verges on something we might call empathy, but it, it does change so many things. This is a silly, maybe a silly story. My father um, has Parkinson's, and mm. um, and you know sometimes I get so frustrated with him because he says, you know, my clock it doesn't tell the right time. It you know it's a twenty four hour clock, or somebody changed it, and I just like Dad. It's <laughs> it looks just fine, you know, and. Fine. You know why are you why are you being so silly <laughs> and uh, uh, and then the doctor told me that, no, actually it's very common for parkinson's patients to actually the numbers disappear uh, mm. or that they go outside the clock that like spatial mm-hmm. things start happening and and you know immediately I was like we're not looking at the same thing, you know? And yeah. so I need, I need some empathy here, you know, because rather than, you know, wondering what's wrong with it. I know that's yeah. a silly story, but I just had that uh, uh, just this last week. And I think that that's true of a lot of business situations. You know, we, we don't come into them with empathy for where the other person is. And so, you know, we're, we're only seeing the world through our own eyes. Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, as i as I wrote the book and explained that in um, uh, want your listeners to understand too, and I'm sure you understand this, right? Is that empathy is not to be confused for any type of weakness or anything like that. And that's one of the challenges uh, I have with, with um, folks is that their ego comes in and says, well, you know, if I do that, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm giving in. It's it's actually quite the opposite. You know, when, when I'm speaking on stage or consulting like that, I have to make, everything that comes out of my mouth, all about the audience. It can't be about Michael Veltry. It can't be about my it has to be about about the audience. And and imagine if you're if we're coming and running our business where it's just all about the other person. And if you if you're doing that then it, it's what I call right livelihood. You know, you're you're going to provide the, the best product and service possible. But if you come into it right with the blinders on, making it all about you and your product and your business and me, 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 uh, it's just gonna it's gonna fall flat. Or, or you're on a scale of one to ten, you'll only achieve a level of three of success. And and then I think that's also where frustration sets in, and then we end up in that success trap of. You've reached a small level of success but ultimately become disenfranchised or successfully miserable and you just can't get your business to the next level.
0: I'm visiting with Michael Veltry, the author of The Machine Way to Peak Performance. So, Michael, tell us where people can find out. Obviously, the book's available anywhere people like to buy books, but tell us where they can find out more about you and uh, anything that uh, you might be working on.
1: Sure. Um, very simply on my website, which is michaelveltry.com. And uh, from there, they can easily see uh, videos of me speaking, order the book, and a whole lot of other uh, resources that uh, that can help them achieve a level of of balance and peak
0: performance without burnout. And we'll have the uh, links to everything we talked about in the show notes at ducttapemarketing.com. Uh, so, Michael, thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully, we'll uh, bump into you out there on the road.
1: Okay, thank you very much for the time, John.